Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today, we'll unleash our inner kid and cast a Hollywood film. Plus, we'll find out how the letter E plays into things and I take on a new challenge at work. It's time for Categorized. Welcome back to a new episode of More Than Movies. We are starting everything off with the letter E. That's right. We have a categorized. And if you can't quite recall what this was all about, basically, we're going to give our top five favorites. No particular order. Just five favorite movies that start with the letter E. Ivana, would you like to go first? Yeah, I would love to. But before I do... I. I'm curious, did you find that E was like a particularly strong letter in movie titles? Because you know what? I have five and I think I had like six in that I even would have put in the contention. Six more on top of the five? No, like total. Uh, you know what? In total, probably around the same. There are some, the ones I have on my list I think are very strong. Oh, okay. I'm very curious to see what your list is. All right. Um, so the first one for me was E.T. Uh, yeah, I got E.T. there too. That is a strong pick. Yeah, it is a strong movie. I've actually, uh, I've seen it not that long ago. And I'll be honest, in some ways I don't love the movie. I, there's something Why? about it that I don't find very rewatchable. Maybe it's because I never watched it as a kid. You um, never watched this movie as a kid? No. You never saw the magic of Elliot and E.T. over the moon when you were nine years old? No. And I think like the adult experience, I, I really enjoy the movie. I completely understand why it's a classic. I I think that it deserves to be, you know, in that list of E movies. But I, I don't like to rewatch it. For some reason, it really depresses me. It is not a fun movie for a lot of people and the ending is very depressing yeah and so i think it's like amazing as a film but in terms of personal enjoyment um i think because i didn't see it as a kid the magic is less and the depressing themes are more <laughs> it's interesting because i used to re-watch this on a loop when i was like eight or nine years old, I would just have it in my VCR and it would go. And now revisiting it is, it's hard because of those moments that are very sad. And, you know, I have to be in a mood to watch E.T. Yeah. And, you know, I actually think this movie is probably a lot more lighthearted and fun if you're a child watching it rather than an adult who's watching it. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. I think the heaviness really hits an adult a lot more than it hits a kid. You don't realize he's drunk. You don't realize a lot of things. And that, I think, is partly why the movie is so brilliant and why it deserves to be, you know, on a top e-movies list. But, I mean, you know, in terms of is it something that I'm going to pick up and watch once a year? Definitely not. I hear you. And I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to make my favorite movies of all time Ones that are like, okay, I saw it once and it's okay that I don't go back to it. It's actually like a personal conflict I'm having with myself this month. What else is on your list? Ella Enchanted. Ella Enchanted almost made my list. <laughs> yeah, I, 
It I was actually did. I thought maybe it would be on your list. It's not, eh? I love Ella Enchanted. It's not a great e movie. It's one of my favorites just because of how much fun Anna Hathaway and ha- Anna Anne Hathaway is having in it. I I don't know. I think it's I think it is kind of a, a really good movie. I saw it. I think on a loop <laughs> uh, when I was watching it because it happened to be at a time where uh, I had binged a whole bunch of horror films, was living in this super old creepy house, and all of my roommates um, were away. And suddenly I was alone uh, rehearsing for this play. And, you know, I would leave in the mornings and it'd be like just dawn and then come back and it'd be really dark and the house was really old. And this movie got me through. <laughs> The fact that I had watched way too many horror films and suddenly was alone in an old house. (laughs) I never thought of it that way, but it is very much a palate cleanser after dark material. Totally. It's a great palate cleanser. And I I like the themes in it. And I think it's well made. It's a fun movie. It's, you know, not going to win an Oscar. But I think that it's one of those things that I would want to show my kids uh, in the future someday, or, you know, like, I think all kids should watch. I agree. What else you got? Well, no, what do you have? All right, well, I mean, you can't have an E-list without The Exorcist. I didn't, it's not on my list. It's not on your <laughs> list. Do you like The Exorcist? N- not, I mean, it's okay. It was an okay film. I'm glad I've seen it. Okay, so The Exorcist is still to this day the scariest movie I've ever seen. I've gone back to it a number of times. I think it's, uh, it's brilliant. I really enjoy it um and i really enjoy the makeup and the design of reagan when like her metamorphosis is amazing um that's the kind of movie magic that i had to put on this list like it's also the movie that scared my father so bad he's never watched a horror movie again what he saw it in theaters and to this day he has never watched a horror movie again No, you're kidding. No, I am not kidding. And I think it has to do, for a lot of people, he was raised Roman Catholic. And this is so ingrained in the church that is something that is, can happen, that I think it made church hard for him and it made being Catholic hard for him. And to this day, he just will not go back to any kind of horror. Wow, that's so fascinating. I've seen it. I only saw it again. I think I was maybe like 18, 19, 20 when I saw it. I've only seen it once. Um, I did get to watch it in a creepy scenario. Uh, I was at a, on a family vacation at this like kind of creepy inn thing. And I watched it with my cousin and my little brother. And, uh, but I... I guess seeing it for the first time at that point and having heard about The Exorcist for many, many years, um, it just didn't live up to what I thought it was going to be. Also, I think that it helps that I'm not really religious. So maybe it it didn't hit me. You know what I mean? Like I don't have any Catholic anything to, to draw upon. I don't really get that aspect of it. That's totally fair. And then I've got uh, also on my list one that we both loved. L. Oh, I love L. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think to put it on my list when I guess it just didn't come up in my research, but that was such a good movie. I mean, we watched this after we watched it after we did our top 10 lists mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. 
and it became my number one movie of 2016. You know what? I had Empire Records on my list, but L is better. Empire Records is pretty good. Empire Records is great, but L is better. I'm kicking Empire Records off, and I'm putting L on my list too. All right. Well, you all. I also have ET, so we both have two left standing on our list. What else you got? Empire Strikes Back. Oh my God! How did I forget the Empire Strikes Back? Oh no, it wasn't on your list, really. Oh, it will be now. <laughs> Hold on. What do I remove? Well, I mean, I think that it's my favorite of all the Star Wars movies. Um, it's just such a great film, and it doesn't, it ages well. You can watch it again and again, even now, even with the fact that effects have come a long way since. I, I can always go back to this movie. I think it is the strongest, and I think that when people think about Star Wars, they think about Empire Strikes Back. I can't believe that I didn't have Empire Strikes Back on my list. Uh, thank you for bringing it up, like 100%. I had Edward Scissorhands. <gasps> Oh my, my gosh! Edward Scissorhands is so good. It's so good. It's one of the Tim Burton movies I actually really resonate with and I like coming to. It's all about an outsider who, you know, he was built for this world, but he's he's not finished yet. It's such a neat idea. It is such a neat idea. Oh darn! Now that you've mentioned that, are you kicking that off your list or is it staying on your list? Well, I. I don't know yet. I mean, we're just talking about movies right now, and we'll find out what is my favorite at the end. <laughs> That's fair. I, I had on my list, uh, in addition to Edward, oh, Edward Scissorhands. I really like that, and I kind of want to move it on my list and kick out this other one. Which is? Which is Evil Dead 2. Well, I have Evil Dead 2 on my list as well. Oh, hilarious. So, like, <laughs> what do we have? We had E.T., we had Evil Dead, and then I gave you L, you gave me Empire Strikes Back, and I gave you Edward Scissorhands. So yeah. we were basically on the same wavelength anyway. I think with E-films, as I looked through the plethora of films on the internet that I could find, there seems to be a lot that don't really stand out from the crowd, that didn't do anything huge. So I'm actually not really surprised that we had so much that was the same because I think the really good films that start with E are, are not that huge. Um, but the ones that are good are really good. Like Edward Scissorhands is so amazing. The visuals, the heartbreak, the feeling of what it is to be an outsider. I think we all feel that at some point or another. So man, that's a good film. Well, and let's, Evil Dead let's 2, talk about Evil Dead 2 just for a second, because this is a, this is a film that surpasses the original. Exactly. And not only that, it really learns from the mistakes of the original. You know what I mean? Uh, the original, it turned out to be considered funny by many audiences. It wasn't the intent of the original film. And then they kind of semi-remake it yep. and lean into the comedy. And it becomes an even bigger hit than the original movie. And I think that that's really cool. And I don't know if that's ever really happened in the history of film. And it really gave us Ash as the hero versus Ash. Because Ash is a very different character in Evil Dead than he is in Evil Dead 2. And he goes Absolutely. on to be in Army of Darkness. Like there is a very clear difference. Yeah. So right now we are going to pick... What our favorite is from all of these ones we've said. And I got to go Empire Strikes Back. I can't believe I forgot about it. But it's definitely Empire Strikes Back. It's the best Star Wars movie. It is the best ending. Like the Dark Knight has been compared to it with its ending. 
um, you can still have a very successful film and affect people in an audience while having kind of a downer and making them come back, you know? Yeah, that's very true. So what's your favorite oh. E? I'm torn, actually. After the discussion, I've realized that I think my finalists are Edward Scissorhands and Evil Dead 2. Oh, my God. For very different reasons. Very different. I think Edward Scissorhands is a better film, but the things that Evil Dead 2 and the like cult following and the culture that surrounds it, the things that it accomplished, I think, is so cool and unique. You know what? I'm going Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2. All right. I love it. All right. Let's take a little break and share some, I mean, it's not really news, but I think it's a fun announcement. We are officially in different countries. I know. You sound so much different in America. Yeah, that's because I've become totally American. <laughs> that didn't take long. What was that, a week and a half? Yeah, exactly. And I did actually, I came back to Canada f for the Canada 150 in lieu of uh, July 4th. So perhaps I'm not that American quite yet. <laughs> well, next year. Next year you'll have to celebrate like a true American. Uh, next year we are going to throw an all-out American-themed 4th of July party. In America. In America. Okay, all right. Because if you came back to Canada and you did it, we'd kind of like, we'd look at you and go, why are you doing this? <laughs> I, well, I don't think we'd have a place to throw such a party. That's true. That is very true. Well, you are definitely missed here in the uh, the Canadas. What is the weather like there? Because that's all Canadians need to talk about all the time is what the <laughs> weather's like. How is I mean, the weather in Pittsburgh? I think that it's pretty similar to Toronto and slightly warmer. I think that's generally like how it goes between Pittsburgh and Toronto. They're not that far from each other. It is piss pouring rain right now. Oh, yesterday it rained here. Today it has been hot. It's been like 30 plus and humid. Oh, God, you got humidity there, too. You can't I, escape. You love I it. love humidity. Yeah, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I am in a non-air-conditioned room right now with one fan behind me, hoping I can get the noise reduction out of it. <laughs> I'm in sure my tank top that your post-processing skills will come through. <laughs> I'm hoping, like, <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, that's really exciting. And and do you like it? Do you like your new neighborhood? How is Marshall adjusting? Uh, I'm here alone right now, all alone by my lonesome. Um, the transition is slow. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of going back and forth. And uh, so at this moment, I'm in America alone. Um, and is I'm it not scary in being in America no. alone? No. <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> I don't think it's much different than, I think city living is city living. It is a little weird though, because Pittsburgh is a lot smaller than Toronto. How so? Like a lot less people. I think, so the area surrounding, like the the suburbs is where everyone lives. And I chose not to live in the suburbs. And so in the city proper, it is, I think, similar size to Toronto area mass wise. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but there's only like 330,000 people that live in the city and then millions of people that live in the suburbs surrounding the city. So it's totally opposite of Toronto. That is entirely opposite. Everybody in Toronto wants to live in the city and they only move out of the city if they have to. 
and everybody in Pittsburgh wants to live in the suburbs and will not move to the city. Yeah. I think it's like an American thing. They really love their suburbs over here. Well, you are missed. And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, we'll keep puttering along on the podcast this way. I'm in a room. You're in a room. And we're talking in a little microphones. Hmm. <laughs> Reboot rumors. Ah, that whip. All right. I like it. The talented voice of Leslie Seiler. I love that one. I think it's one of my favorite openers. (laughs) It always gets me. I always forget that that is... (laughs) That's the intro. (laughs) All right. So big news from Hollywood. Tarantino is planning his ninth film. And it's going to be all about the Manson family murders. I kind of think it's cool. And I'm so not surprised. Like Not surprised. Are you surprised? I am a little bit like normally he writes these films that are all from his head and just kind of play on genres. He's going true crime. That that seems like way out of left field for me. See, I don't know. For me, I feel like his real thing, like the thing that ties all his movies is this like violent streak kind of concept that he does. I That's think he's true. really interested and I think that he can bring genre into this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um it'll be interesting what genre maybe it'll be he'll do it like a detective story. Oh, you think it's ah interesting. Cuz we we see it mostly from crime. Like most Tarantino movies focus on the crime aspect and not the crime solving aspect. It might be interesting to see that from him. You know what I think would be kind of cool and totally not Tarantino-esque? If he even approached it as if it was some sort of documentary, although it would never be Tarantino to do that. I think he'll blend it with genres, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, it's just what genres will he use? He's already used so many. I, I think he, I could see it coming back to the feel of like a Pulp Fiction like exploitation type thing because the the timing of the, the timeline has right. to be 69 and 70s so you're right like it 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 could play with that uh that pulp fictiony feel because yeah. even though that was like the 90s it felt so much older well and it was i think very much influenced by older films and i think maybe it'll even be like a foxy brown meets uh, you know uh pulp fiction styling because it's then a nod to the times and the film genres that were really big in that time. And I think it'd be kind of cool to do like an exploitation film based on true events and then just like elevate it with concepts from the the sort of style that he used with Pulp Fiction. Well, you know Tarantino listens to more of the movies, so we're giving him all these ideas for free. Exactly. Hopefully he'll give us a little thanks. <laughs> yeah, a little special thanks at the end. Yeah, at the um, end. <laughs> I have a a second reboot rumors, and this is a weird one because sounds like Disney may have their genie for the Aladdin live action. And I I'm actually a little floored that they are planning on picking Will Smith. They're gonna pick Will Smith as the genie? I had no idea. I mean, one, we we all have to understand they can't replace Robin Williams. Obviously. I like the idea of Will Smith doing it. What do you think? I mean, he's not, he hasn't done real comedy in a long time. I think, 
I just hope it doesn't become like stereotypical black guy genie. Is that a stereotype? I don't know. Like sometimes when I listen to Will Smith, I feel like he like adds the thug slang for no, like Suicide Squad. I feel like he added thug slang for no reason. Oh, you don't think that it, that like just was his take on that character? It totally could have been his take on that character. But I think that character winds up in all of his stuff. With the right. exception of, like, pursuit of happiness. Right, yeah, that's fair. Uh, with that said, sure, if you got a new idea and you think Will Smith that can fill the role, fill your boots. I don't know. I, I think that it'll be fun to see Will Smith kind of go back to his roots. Uh, you know, he started in a very popular comedy Um Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, for anyone who doesn't know about this. Uh, and he's, <laughs> I don't know you who know, that person is. Yeah, but since he's become this huge action star and he's taken a much more serious role in terms of movies. Now, that being said, the Disney live action reboots tend to be more serious and less fun anyway. They're like, how can we take the old animated version and make it serious and less fun? And then that kind of happens. Um, but so I think maybe maybe they're doing Will Smith because he's going to be a really serious, different take of Genie. I think it's going to be a very different movie from the original. So I don't think that there's any worry that he's replacing Robin Williams or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, they also are in a little bit of a pickle because they are having trouble finding other Aladdin actors like he, Aladdin. See, Everyone on the internet seems like floored by this, but I'm not surprised at all. Why? And here's why. Um, I'm assuming that they want to pluck someone from like the unknown world and bring them in as this character. I would hope so. So they're having a hard time finding that person because they're looking at people who are not necessarily established in their careers. My guess is, too, that they're going to, or at least I would, I would cast, you know, fairly young. I think that you're talking like late teens, early 20s needs to be the oldest that you go. Right. I, I mean, sure. But how old was Aladdin? Like, he could have been any age. He's animated. I don't I don't see the the big deal. Do you? Do you have somebody that you would go with? Um, I mean, okay, the person that I would want to play Aladdin, but I think they're maybe, you're right, like they're not necessarily who I would want to cast as uh, an executive because I think I'd want to go young for this. Um, but I just want to see him be Aladdin because I think he would be such a good Aladdin. Uh, Riz Ahmed. Oh, I didn't even think that. That's an interesting thought. I love Riz Ahmed, and he has a kind of longish, thin face that reminds me of the original Aladdin, like the animated version, and he has the kindest face that you will ever see, that that kindness that you see on his eyes and, you know, just all over his face. I think it'll just lend itself to the character of Aladdin in a really great way, and I just friggin' think he is so cute and so good-looking, and he needs to be the star of everything. <laughs> How about you? Who would you cast? Okay, for Aladdin, I know he's a little bit older, but I think Adhir Kalyan from Aliens in America, Fired Up, Rules of I Engagement. I love him. He he's is so, so charismatic in everything he does. I know. He makes every... Everything that he's in is better. Everything he touches gets better because he's in it. Yeah. 
Totally. Now, he may be a little bit older, but he does not look older. And you could make him cool as shit. I am a little surprised that they aren't going to the Bollywood well because they're saying, oh, we need to find somebody who can sing as well. Well, there's a whole industry of people who sing and dance and act. Why limit yourself? I mean, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um but maybe the acting style is different. I, I'll admit I have not seen very many Bollywood movies. I don't know if there's a big difference in style, like what's in, what's out. I mean, you're right. There's tons of people who are talented. I mean, there's tons of people who are talented in general. My guess is they're, they haven't cast the part because they're looking for someone unknown. And my other guess is that they haven't cast the part because they were hoping to create this sort of viral storm that is happening right now. Yeah, the they casting want, director needed help. I think it's a fun PR stunt. Oh, so. I totally agree. I, I love being able to cast Aladdin. I think it's neat. You're plugged in. Mind your manners. This is Tech Ticket. I'm really excited that we're doing this segment because the kismet of the world meant that I happened to have just listened to an audiobook that talked about this topic, and you, Jay, my friend, are about to experience a big work change. So for everyone out there listening, Jay is switching from a traditional office-type structure to the concept of a shared office. I'm a little nervous. You should be. I'm sorry to tell you, but you you should be a little bit nervous. I have so, a room to myself, and I just yeah, sit in that office. room and I shut the door, and I can like be alone with my thoughts. And this is going to be hella different. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, a shared office is uh, first of all very in right now. There's a lot of places that are doing it uh, with the sort of increase of people working from home um, and sort of going back and forth from office and home. They've realized that the actual real estate that people take up in an office, i.e. an office such as yours or a cubicle or a desk or whatever, that's actually quite expensive. And so a lot of places are actually downsizing the overall size of the office, putting out a bunch of open concept desks, and those desks are open to anyone. So it's kind of like first come, first serve. That's exactly Um, it. I do not have a desk once I get to where I'm going. I have a laptop. That is basically my workstation. Exactly. I show up. I say, hey, that looks like a decent place to work for the next couple hours. Set up and I go and then I'm like, oh, I got a meeting somewhere. And then I grab all my shit and I go back to the meeting. I assume that you'll probably be able to set up shop for the day. Uh, At least I hope. What kind of etiquette do you have to have in a shared office? Well, all right. Let's start with computers. Um, I think your computer becomes your office. Wherever you go, your computer is it. I got a new funky small laptop that I have to drag around with me to everywhere. Will your shared office have external monitors for you to plug into? No. So you're now just stuck working on a tiny baby screen? 13-inch laptop. All day. Every day. And no external monitor on these shared desks? Not for me, no. Well... 
I hope that your office learns their lesson quickly because extra monitors are key to productivity. You make sure that you log out because now that it's shared, it's probably more important to like lock things up when you're not around your desk. Right. If I run to the bathroom, I guess I have to lock up because, well, that's, I mean, that's another thing. Like who's stopping anybody from coming to my spot? I don't know. This is crazy. Um, Computers. Yes, definitely have to lock up. Definitely. Uh, Need to make sure they're locked up at the end of the day if I'm not taking them home with me. Would you have a space to lock we, them We have lockers, too? like high school. Oh, that's fun. Are you going <laughs> to decorate your locker? Uh, probably not, but maybe. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll do what I did in high school, which was have a picture of Britney Spears and a lot of movie tickets. <laughs> I like it. Um, um, all right. Well, what about taking let's talk phone about calls? Phones. Yeah, so... You know, if I get a phone call on my cell phone now, I shut my door and I, like, take the call. You know, I feel like if I take a call from somebody, I'm going to be out in the open. Do I have to, like, always go into the hallway or is it okay and acceptable to take a phone call? It is completely and utterly acceptable to take a phone call. The interesting thing will be that if you are talking about sensitive information, you probably have to find some secret place to go into so that you can do your call and talk about sensitive information. But it is absolutely okay from an etiquette perspective to talk on your phone in your open office. And then the the thing that I keep getting drilled into my head is that these open offices allow for better communication. So do I always have to sneak to a meeting room every time somebody comes by to want to chat? Because isn't that the whole point? It's like I can walk over to you and say, yo, man, what's going on? I think that's definitely the purpose. I think you do not have to use meeting rooms um, for just asking random questions and all of that kind of stuff. The concept, the reason why they say open office is better for communication is exactly that. Um, It's interesting that you're being told that a shared office is the same because an open office structure usually strategically places people who work together near each other so that they can scream at each other without getting up from their desk and also without disturbing others. A shared office workspace, I don't know that that's really going to help your communication because you don't know who you're going to be working beside on any given day, which also will make you less likely to scream over at your buddy. Exactly. So I don't know. I'm nervous about it. I, I'm i excited for this new thing that's happening, but I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to miss my office and having like, you know, I don't have a ton of stuff in my office, but you're right. I have stuff there that is always there, like my pens and my tissue. And I open a cupboard and I've got like little hideaway snacks of Nutri-Grain bars and stuff like that. So I'm going to miss all of that. I think that you have a step ahead. Probably you're going to find a lot of coworkers being very sort of like, oh no, what do I do now kind of situation. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, wish me luck. And you know, if you have any tips for me, please reach out on Twitter or anywhere to just say like, hey man, I'm in the same thing. It's really easy or it's awful, but here's what helps. That would be amazingly helpful. Hey, shut up! It's trailer trash! This week, we watched the new trailer for the movie Jumanji. Okay, before we get underway, I need to express something. Jumanji gave me a clarity that has never washed over me before. Reboots, remakes, sequels, 
all of it. They're not meant for me. My Jumanji starred Robin Williams. It starred Kirsten Dunst and a little kid who turned into a monkey. That is my <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> um, this Jumanji is for my 15-year-old nephew. This will be his. Yeah, who, who is the sort of audience for the original Jumanji? The original was it Jumanji, like 8-year-olds or was it 15-year-olds? It was a PG film because it was a little bit scary at points, but it was a family feature. So if your parents were okay to watch it with you, it was cool. I'm not asking the rating. I'm saying what's the target audience? Who are they trying to like grab? Is it of the original? Yeah, the original. Oh, I'd say like, yeah, eight and nine-year-olds probably. Okay, cool. So this one's trying to grab 15-year-olds and the previous one was trying to grab, although I I might disagree with the 15-year-old thing, but the previous one was trying to grab eight-year-olds. So it's now aged up in its target market. So who do you think that this movie's trying to reach if not 15-year-olds? 18 to 20. Like end of high school, early university. The cast is too old. A 15-year-old is going to want to watch something a little bit different. I do think the 15-year-old will watch this, but I think the real key target market seems to me like 17 to 20. I Because there's like a 15-year-old who becomes The Rock, I think The Rock will have to act like a 15-year-old and... That's where I think they're like, that's where they grab their audience. All right. I mean, they, you didn't look that 15 to me, but sure. <laughs> How old do you think you looked? 17? Yeah, like 17, 18. They looked like they were in their, they, they were like, you know, second last year of high school kind of thing. Like that's what they were cast to be. All right. Fair enough. But what I'm saying is that this movie is not, I am not 17. I am not 15. This movie is not geared towards me. This is the next generation's version of Jumanji. It's the same thing as Spider-Man that just came out. Listen, my Spider-Man is going to be Tobey Maguire. This can be my nephew Spider-Man. You know what I mean? I gotcha. So my question is, after watching this movie, uh, so real quick synopsis, if you haven't seen the trailer, obviously you can go to the description, click the YouTube link, and you can check out the trailer right now. Or you can listen to me babble for two seconds. It basically is Jumanji, but instead of a board game, it's a video game. And whatever avatar you chose, you show up as the avatar in the video game. Like, you get sucked in as whoever you are, whoever you've chosen. So, uh, it looks like a big action movie, more, way more so than the original Jumanji. It looks like uh, a lot more comedy, obviously, because that's the direction of everything now the original wasn't that funny the original is not a comedy the original is like an an adventure family film where there are jokes but it's not meant to be funny interesting obviously i've never seen the original you've never seen the original okay i should have asked that at the very beginning because i was like very very surprised when you were asking about the original and what what it was targeted to so um yeah no totally i've never seen the original um so it this looked, will also be your first foray into Jumanji if you see this. Yeah, like this, this, and you know what? There was something about the original in my memory that, you know, I never made sure to circle and watch that movie at any point in my life. So I guess um, where I do love to watch movies from all ages, from all times, for all audiences, um, this one in some ways, you know, looked really fun. Like I think... 
the way that you approach a King Kong type movie, this is kind of my type of King Kong. Uh, a little bit more comedy, a lot of fun, pretty lighthearted. Probably you're not going to get anything like any crazy insight from watching this movie. It's just a simple, fun blockbuster for people who are in their late teens, early 20s, and me. <laughs> and you, who've yeah. never seen Jumanji. Never seen Jumanji. No, it makes Jumanji. sense. So like the first one, they didn't get sucked into the board game. It all happened in real life. So when a stampede came through, it went through the town. It wasn't like, you know, it affected all these people who weren't playing the game as well. Oh. So, you know, there was a police officer who was going around, check. he was the comic relief, and he would go around and be like, why are there monkeys running through the street? Was that, was like Robin Williams a comedic character in it? No, not really. I mean, he always adds a little bit of flair of comedy, but he was, um sucked into the game when he was maybe 12 i don't know he was very young he was sucked into the game and the game is not played again until 25 years later so when he comes out he's robin williams cool interesting all right i like that it's it's interesting anyway will you see this movie yeah i do i think that i will probably watch this movie i will probably not watch this movie in theaters um what about you? Will you see it? Yeah, for sure. I'll check it out. But like it holds nothing for me. Like what, you're not even curious about it? You're not interested in it? No, I'm, d- I'm definitely going to watch the movie, especially if it gets good reviews. I might even go see it in theaters. But the first one was groundbreaking in its special effects. This one, ah, special effects look like the special effects and it looks like a comedy. So it's like, yeah, I'll go see it for the funny and the different take. But... For me, Jumanji is always going to be a certain thing. This is just another movie, if that makes yeah, sense. I think that this is a very different movie from the original. And maybe they're recasting the way that the original was done using the name and the concept and kind of moving forward. But this is a whole different movie. It's pretty totally. clear. It's 100% different. In the original, you didn't choose an avatar, obviously. You didn't, like, get sucked into the world. There was, except Robin Williams' character. And everything that, you would roll a dice and it would tell you what it was. It would be, like, a riddle. And then that thing, the answer to that riddle would kind of attack you in the real world so all of a sudden there were giant spiders everywhere trying to attack you or you know there was a lion in the kitchen stuff like that and it was all this amazing animatronic cgi uh and it was groundbreaking because it came in right after jurassic park uh and it, it looked amazing at the time so i understand they need to go cgi but i will say this that hippo scene where jack black gets like a hippo and like the hippo grabs him by it yeah (laughs) like that's how people die a lot in africa so that was a little shocking oh really like hippopotamus are like the most dangerous animal in africa so i was like oh shit there are actual tribes who are terrified of that happening (laughs) so next week join us as we watch the pilot for red oaks episode one 
And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to listen again next week. If you'd like to support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service you use and give us a quick rating and review. This really helps us grow the show. Our intro song comes from bensound.com, and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about the music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so don't be a stranger. You can reach out anytime on our website, morethanmovies.net. Seriously, we want you to reach out. You can also <laughs> reach us at Facebook slash More Than Movies Podcast. Email us at hello at morethanmovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. Thank you so much again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next Monday with an all new episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.